Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard A man, a plan, a canal, Panama. It's episode number 74 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most stark and uncompromising Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual is the Dean of Admissions, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I'm good. This is one of the most random intros you've done, which is thank God. <laughs> I have difficulty coming up with stuff to put in that intro, and sometimes I regret making the decision to change it every episode, but it gives me, you know what, it exercises my mind a little bit, Liam, and that's what we need in the year 2018. It's mind exercise. Well, you haven't yet relied on just fucking nonsense words, so I guess that's pretty good. Now, Liam, for uh, long-time listeners, or uh, particularly intelligent listeners, would recognize that the beginning of that intro is a very famous palindrome in that it reads the same forward as it does backward. Liam, I mm-hmm. have a question for you at the top of the show. What's mm-hmm. your favorite palindrome? Oh, um, I'll be honest. This might be the only one I ever remember whenever anyone asks about one of these. Um, fuck, I don't think I have one. Do you remember it, Liam? Because you always think of that Van Halen song at the end of it. What? You know, oh, Panama. Panama. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I for some reason this one works in my brain. Uh, so I remember it, but I have terrible memory for things like this, like uh jokes and palindromes and riddles and things like that how about madam i'm adam i've actually uh, yeah i don't know that one well now you do and let's what's see another if... what's another one there's another poop. one uh I... what <laughs> poop oh yeah poop that's a good one i forgot uh, about that one uh, sorry i do know one and i'm not gonna say it because it's got a naughty word in it but uh, and we would never like to use a naughty word here on Eric Roberts is the Does it, have, is it has cunnilingus in it or yeah no actually the word cunnilingus is a palindrome no <laughs> yeah you no son of, you <laughs> son of a bitch <laughs> at least up here in Canada it is I don't know how you guys do it down there uh, <laughs> usually, usually our guest isn't so vocal but let's just jump to him our guest today is a musician podcaster and writer he's also a returning guest from one of the very first episodes of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. It's Rocky Juarez. How you doing, Rocky? I'm good, my friend. Thanks for having me back. You know what? It's great to have you back. Rocky is a beloved figure on the internet in my heart. And this is his first opportunity to record with Liam on the Eric Roberts is the fucking man program. And that's exciting. That's got to be exciting for you, Liam. I mean, I'm unbelievably stoked. I, I uh, haven't really gotten to interact with uh Rocky much outside of Twitter, except for when I used to go to Fantastic Fest. Like, what was that? Four years ago now was the last time I was there. You guys like to hang out? Is that what you guys do? You <laughs> hang out? Oh, man. There's so much hanging, Doug. You don't even know. There was hanging 10. Hanging dong. Hang- yeah. Oh, all <laughs> right. There. I was going to build towards that. That was the punchline. But you just want to go there right away. Gotta I got to pick you. up the pace here, Liam. We're, we're, we're doing a podcast. I, 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 Rocky, how have things been lately? They've been good, man. They've been good. Just keeping busy, you know, raising two terrible children and, uh, 
you know, just working, 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 uh, keeping busy. Can't complain, you know, catching movies when I can. Um, uh, what was going to say, like the, uh, finally got on like the press list <laughs> here oh. in Austin within like the last like year and a half. So I've been finally going to press screenings and it's making it cooler to write, uh, for talk film because of that. And, you know, hopping on podcasts, knowing what I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, things like that. So now uh, that's been good. That's been good. So hobby's been good. Work's been good. I can't complain, man. Now, those in the know in the uh, film and film review industry know that sometimes you're going to see these press screenings, but you're not allowed to talk about the movies you've seen until a certain date, and you're not allowed to release your writing about them until that certain date. Are there any things that you've seen lately, Rocky, that you're not allowed to talk about? No, actually, like, um, I've been very lucky to where either, like, the embargo is happening the second the film is on <laughs> or something stupid like that, <laughs> but, uh, or, or like, uh, you know, we're, we're just lucky to where, like, hey, don't drop this until Thursday, something like that, but there's never, like, a, oh, man, I saw this, like, months ahead of time, and I can't even talk about it. I haven't been lucky enough to hit anything like that. What is the best thing you've seen this year, Rocky? This year, um, you were never really here. Like, hands down, that is, that is the best thing that I've seen this year. I don't know if anything's going to top it either. It's it's my kind of movie. It's it's why I like films like uh, Green Room. They're so airtight, and they feel like they can happen. And, you know, there's a... Uh, they, they As much as I like, like, fantasy, and, you know, I love Star Wars and MCU. I love all that shit. But, like, if you give me something super grounded that's, like, very just, you know, d- down to earth, no matter how traumatic and wild it gets... Like I'm into it, and that's that's that movie in a nutshell. And I think um, I think Ramsey killed it. I think she nailed that film. Like just a, to answer your question, that one that that one rocked my world through and through. Believable and down to earth. I I that is why I chose the movie we're going to be talking about on this episode of Eric <laughs> <laughs> It was the fucking movie. <laughs> but before we get to all that, uh, usually at this point in the show we do the Roberts report talking about the latest Eric Roberts news. But I'll tell you what. The news today, and I'm saying today, the day that we're recording this, is so fucking humongous that we can't even wait for the Roberts Report. we got to talk about it right now. I was at work today. I was checking the Eric Roberts news, as I often do. And what came up on my feed but the reveal that Eric Roberts is returning to Doctor Who. Now, long-time listeners of the show, and I mean really long time, we'll remember that we covered in the early days of the Eric Roberts at the Fucking Man podcast the Doctor Who television movie from 1996, which featured Paul McGann as the Doctor and Eric Roberts as the Master. And that's a, sort of a controversial TV movie because it was U.S. made. Some people worried about the continuity. But in recent years, they've been pulling it all together. And we, Liam, you might remember this, when we sat down with Eric Roberts, the actor, uh, the one who gives this podcast its name, we asked him about... Whether he might come back on to uh, Doctor Who, he seemed a little cagey about it, Liam. But the thing is, today, (laughs) it was announced, finally, he's returning to the role that made him famous. The master (laughs) on the 1996 TV uh, movie of Doctor Who. Uh, He's returning to it uh, on a, uh, it's kind of a large (laughs) master-based project. Sorry. It's a large project for big Finnish uh, productions, which do audio uh, kind of audio plays, I guess you would call them, audio episodes of Doctor Who. It's very well regarded. People who are big fans of the franchise are certainly aware of these. They bring back a lot of the older Doctors. It allows them to kind of tell further stories without the ravages of age being on display. And Eric Roberts is going to come back, and he's going to play the Master. Now, uh, of course, you guys are two 
giant who heads. <laughs> so, <laughs> so They're I got who, who, wait, 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 who head? I, I guarantee you that is not the name that they use for fans of Doctor yeah, I, Who. I always thought it was who has. Who is that right? I, I, I thought that was know. fans of Al Pacino. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Starting with you, Liam. Uh, this is gigantic news. Attica! Yeah, Sorry. Very excellent work. Uh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> on, on Twitter, when I do my regular searches for Eric Roberts, about half uh-huh. the things I get are people complaining about Eric Roberts as the master, and the other half usually are people like, when are we going to see Eric Roberts as the master again? So this was pretty big news Liam, what is your response? I want to get your your up-to-the-minute response on this gigantic news. I mean, I'm excited for any Eric Roberts project that doesn't sound embarrassing. And this sounds like a real thing. Yeah. That would, here's the deal. I don't – I can't explain to you why I'm not a Doctor Who fan. Um, I spent a chunk of my childhood watching the show – Enough that, like, I guess this was during which is the which is the Doctor Who with the largest, most embarrassing scarf? Uh, that would be Tom Baker. He has the large scarf. Yeah. So on PBS in Philadelphia, they would show the Tom Baker era. And it wasn't until I was an adult I realized there were other Doctor Who's at all. Uh, and I would watch it, and I knew, you know, I watched it pretty faithfully as a kid. And yet, other than his scarf and Daleks. I have no memories of Doctor Who. Like that's all I remember is his scarf and then the Daleks and what their voices sound like. What and do their voices it. sound like again? Uh, I'm not going to do that. Please. <laughs> Please. Not, uh, I'm going to go ahead and not do that. Let's go over to Rocky. Now, Rocky, I know you're a big hoo-ha. So uh, let's hear your thoughts on this giant news uh, about Eric Roberts back in the Doctor Who franchise. I think it's pretty cool. Like uh, mainly because like I'm, I'm not the hugest Doctor Who fan. In fact, I don't know anything about the old run. Um, I know more about the newer stuff. So I did the first uh, five seasons of that and actually had a good time watching it. Um, there's like, I think, two more seasons past that and a spinoff show or some shit, but I never <laughs> I never finished it. But I did like what I saw. And I think it's really cool. I had no knowledge of this show that you're talking about, the, the radio show. Mm-hmm. I think that's a killer idea, like super killer idea, because Who is a phenomenal franchise, has a huge fan base. What a cool idea to keep doctors back into the fold and to di- to you know dig in the crates like that and bring back Eric Roberts. Yeah, that is sorry, that's that's cool. Like that that is really 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 cool. I've never seen the episode that, or the the special that had Roberts on it, mm-hmm. but I think that's really really rad to continue that world. No matter how weird the reference is, I'm all about stuff like that. I like uh, – the suggestion has been for the last few years uh, when people have talked about the idea of bringing Eric Roberts back as the master that there was some sort of legal issue keeping that from happening. Uh, so it, it's this does suggest the potential for that legal issue to be gone, for him to be involved in the franchise, which then again opens up the possibility of him appearing perhaps – in the future on the TV uh, series. Uh, I also want to quickly mention, now, Paul McGann, great actor. He uh, he only played the Doctor in that TV movie up until a couple of years ago where they brought back his Doctor uh, character and kind of, um, I think people had a lot of misgivings about how he was treated in the original TV movie. Over the last couple of years, between that bringing Bob, 
being brought back and also some of these audio shows of these uh, radio shows it it's kind of re uh, invigorated his portrayal and uh, everyone's hoping now that we might see Paul McGann Eric Roberts meeting up once again in this uh, in this uh, big finish production I'm very excited about it and also like you said Liam it does mean that at some point we're going to have an episode where we don't have to watch anything we can pluck our eyes out and just listen <laughs> What a what a glorious uh, week or two weeks that will be, isn't that right, Liam? Yeah, I'll be pretty stoked on it. I'm pretty stoked right now, as you can tell by my increasing enthusiasm as I talk about this. But that's you know what, that's the biggest news in relation to Eric Roberts for this uh, this last couple of weeks. But that is not the only news. No, there's actually more gigantic news, but we can't get into that until we get into the latest Eric Roberts news on the Roberts Report. It's the Roberts Report for episode number 74 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed. You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. April 30th was a big day for the Roberts family because um, Eliza Roberts was flying Alaska Air, which meant that we got a string of tweets about how great Alaska Air is and how great airlines are in general. Uh, it really is unbelievable how much uh, Eric Roberts... Look, Eric Roberts loves airlines. He loves the treatment that airlines give him. Uh, and he makes it clear when he's happy with them. And he makes it semi-clear when he's not happy with them. Uh, long-time listeners, meaning listeners of the last couple episodes, will remember that we had a wonderful anecdote about Eric Roberts potentially stealing someone's seed on an airline recently. But here he is talking about how much uh, Eliza Roberts enjoyed uh, her seat on Alaska Air, the most comfy ever, he said on April 30th. <laughs> Uh, so Eric Roberts recently was at uh, the, I think he was at the Chiller uh, Con, which uh, occurred just recently because there was an Animal House reunion taking place there. Back on April 28th, Eric Roberts tweeted, at an hashtag Animal House reunion, thinking of at Seth Rogen. Liam, why do you think he wrote that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I just... <laughs> I just also like imagine if I was Seth, like like either that's the sort of tweet that Seth Rogen either saw and went, oh yeah, no, that's a good point, Eric, or saw and went, what the fuck? Hey guys, Eric Roberts just tweeted at me about Animal House. <laughs> I bet you they got high together and they they watched Animal House. Mm, like something like that happened. Like they just got they just got really stoned together. It was on TV and they were like, what do you think of Animal House? Uh, and then they just like kept going off on Animal House and shit. And so it's an inside joke between dudes. Well, here, here's a little extra info, Rocky, that might change your perspective on that, which is that the reason <laughs> the reason that Eric Roberts was likely at that reunion was because his wife Eliza Roberts is in Animal House. I didn't know that. Yeah. So so that means, like, that's why he was there, right? So it would be funny, actually, if him and Seth were watching Animal House. And he's like, that's my wife! <laughs> Seth? <laughs> but no, I, I honestly think that their link in this world comes from the fact that they like to blaze up. They like to get tooted together, Liam. Uh, now, I know you don't approve of that, but, uh, but still, that's pretty <laughs> cool. It'd be pretty cool to think about Eric Roberts and Seth Rogen hanging out. Do we still have Liam? 
Am I supposed to respond to that? Is there something you want me to respond to? Yeah. I said, do you think it's cool, the idea of Eric Roberts and Seth Rogen hanging out? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I don't, I, what, uh, why would I be against that? I'm not, I wasn't suggesting that you'd be against it. How about this, Liam? How about the idea of Seth Rogen casting Eric Roberts in one of his stoner comedies? Boom. I, I mean, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Though the, they kind of rely on improv. I, I mean, I'm sure Eric Roberts could do some hilarious improv. Remember, we saw that movie After School Special. It seemed like he was doing improv all over the place there. Oh, and that was really funny. <laughs> that was Liam being very sarcastic about that particular movie. Rocky, what's your favorite movie to get blazed to? Uh, I don't know. That's a really, really good question. Um, it, it depends on the mood. Like, if I I like animated stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. So if I ever get ripped, I'll probably watch something like as cliche as like heavy metal or you know like an anime like redline because it's so intense and crazy um but yeah i mean pff, just typical shit i don't know conan the Barbarian's a good one to get ripped to actually. which, which the, first ver- conan, the, the first one the, fir- <laughs> the first conan film the, with arnie to be specific <laughs> with james earl jones turning into a motherfucking snake <laughs> that one <laughs> uh that, that's a good one to get ripped to because it's really fantasy driven and stuff you know, it's funny you mentioned James Earl Jones because Liam and I recently watched an episode of Frasier featuring the voice of Eric Roberts and guest star James Earl Jones. Crazy sauce. Also, he had the best part in The Ambulance. That You know what? It all, and let's not forget best of the best. Yes, best of the best. <laughs> I forgot. Apparently you did forget that, but we, we shall not forget it. <laughs> In the future. Liam, I'm being sort of facetious about all of this Eric Roberts tweetery that we're talking about because the other huge piece of news ties into a tweet that Eric Roberts made on April 25th. He wrote, hashtag vegan on hashtag the island (laughs) can easily be done. Now, this is in reference to what I thought would be the biggest news of this week, which is that Eric Roberts is going to join a television series called Celebrity Island with Bear Grylls, the uh, the survivalist. <laughs> this uh, I'm just going to read uh, this article from the Sun. The uh, terrible <laughs> Celebrity Island. <laughs> yes, celebrity. I don't know what's so funny about that, but I'm just going to say uh, the 62 year old actor will join the likes of Pete Wicks and Montana Brown on the next series. Uh, Liam, do you know who Pete Wicks and Montana Brown are? No idea. <laughs> I have. I really should have looked it up, but I'm sure they're very famous. Uh, in the UK, which is uh, where this is uh, is airing. The Golden Globe-nominated actor is the latest star to sign up for the Channel 4 reality show The Sun Online has learned today. He's made hundreds of films in a career spanning more than 40 years and was nominated for an Academy Award for his work on 1985's Runaway Train. Eric will join the likes of Towie star Pete Wicks and Love Island beauty Montana Brown on the show. So... Apparently, I don't know who any of these people are. Oh, you don't know Towie or Towie, whatever the fuck that is. It's That's what I'm laughing so hard. Sh- Celebrity Island, and I'm like, what? Like, well, what okay. Well, you might not be uh, impressed right now, Rocky, but uh, Pete, 29, was the first name confirmed for the latest series of Celebrity Island, which has previously featured stars including Lydia Bright, Aston Marigold. Ryan Thomas and Lucy Mecklenburg. <laughs> you got me. I you literally just, feel like you've made up all of these names. I seriously, like you just made each of these names up. Employees you work with, like that's what you just read. <laughs> you just read a bunch of names. There are, are people, 
We have a huge following, and I'm talking about Eric Roberts is the fucking man, in the UK. And they, those listeners are so upset at you guys for not knowing these massive celebrities. Uh, and I'm, really, I'm a little ashamed for you, and I just want to send out an apology <laughs> to all of our listeners in the UK. Of course, I know who those people are. I am a close follower of their work. And I can't wait to see them. Well, maybe I'll dive back into the archives of Celebrity Island and check those out. But I can't wait to see the new series with Eric Roberts joining Pete Wicks and Montana Brown. Those wonderful stars. It says Montana Brown was on a show called Love Island. So she's going back to an (laughs) island? Oh, Lucy Mecklenburg is from The Only Way is Essex. Oh! I officially apologize. She, that's a reality show that my wife and I continually reference because at some point it was on Hulu and they kept showing the ad for it. And there was one, uh, there was one guy on it who, who kept saying, I'm not a player. And we thought that was the funniest fucking thing in the world. But that, that, that was a thing for a while. I remember that. Her, I remember her that. partner is Ryan Thomas. Oh, they were. Oh, that must have. Sparks must have flown. In that uh, episode of Celebrity Island, with them being a couple on an island, I actually don't know what the plot or like the purpose of Celebrity Island. I imagine they just need to survive. But I mean, going back to what Eric Roberts said, uh, Eric Roberts is vegan, and he's going to have to live that lifestyle while trying to survive on an island. And I can only imagine he's going to be in life or death uh, uh, situations there. But thankfully, he's going to be ably assisted by the great Bear Grylls. Uh, Liam, do you have any thoughts on Bear Grylls? <laughs> I mean, he seems like a horrible human, but other than that, How do you no. mean? How do you mean? <laughs> I just... I just think this whole... Um, the whole, like, I'm going to go survive in the wilderness, but not really thing that mm-hmm. kind of happened for a while there just seems like such a... Fu- I mean, okay, let me back this up, though. I, uh-huh. The more I think about this, because what I should say is... It's a work, and I should respect the work. Hmm. Carney shit is cool. <clears throat> he's clearly a fucking Carney. This is like he's turned his whole life into a sleight of hand. Good for him. But there's a part of me that this particular kind of work where it's like, no, really, I'm a survivalist is mm-hmm. like so fucking weird. I, I'd, I'd rather him swallow swords or some shit, you know, <laughs> than, than, than what he's doing personally. Rocky. How much would you pay to watch Eric Roberts drink his own piss? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, uh, uh, $3.75. We have three seventy five. Liam, can you beat it? <laughs> I would pay a full 50 bucks. <laughs> hey, hey, wait, wait. Well, wait a minute. Is he peeing into something and then I'm watching him – like do I have to watch him pee as part of this process? Well, yes, because n- uh, there's no receptacle. They're, they're on an island, Liam. So he'll have to so, pee directly into his own mouth. He has to pee up into his yeah, mouth. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Solid I'm going stream. down to 20. Going down to 20? Well, 20 is <laughs> yeah. not bad. It's so old to Liam. <laughs> $20. Liam. <laughs> Liam. What? The alien invasion is underway. This is in reference, Liam, to – a, uh, a game, a video game uh, that is for the Oculus Rift. So it's a virtual reality game, and it's called B-Team. And you might be wondering, ladies and gentlemen, why I'm talking about some video game. This is supposed to be an Eric Roberts-related podcast. Is he changing the whole uh, concept? And No, 
I'm not. This is I don't really understand much about the game. I did watch the video about it. You you apparently are playing like second stringer like action heroes or something like that. But what's very interesting about it is that this video game has special cameo guest appearances by a a, a whole group of famous kind of uh, B actors, I guess you could call them, or action stars from the past. These names include Fred Williamson, Michael Dudikoff, the uh, American Ninja himself. Cynthia Rothrock, Don the Dragon Wilson, and Eric <laughs> Roberts in a video game, a VR video game, which, look, in the trailer for this game, it does not show Eric Roberts uh, or his character or his visage or anything like that. I don't even know if he necessarily voices the character in it, but I am picturing a scenario where using the power of virtual reality, you could interact with Eric Roberts, which, honestly, now that I think about that, that should be the biggest news of the week. But uh, there's also one other uh, uh, famous celebrity listed in this trailer. It says that there's an actress so famous, we can't tell you. So that's that's interesting. <laughs> that is inevitably <laughs> going to be... close to the chest. <laughs> that's inevitably going to be a disappointment whenever we discover who that is. But uh, I'm going to stick with you for a second, Rocky. Uh, have you ever uh, experienced the, the, the pleasures of virtual reality? I've done just a few... Uh like tiny bits like never like a good example like like basically um fantastic fest had these wonderful things where you can like lie in you know a coffin and put it on a virtual reality headset and it mm -hmm. was like very immersive like the only thing i've ever done is the kind where you put your smartphone <laughs> in the front yeah. of <laughs> you know and you rock that and it's like oh shit i'm skiing like in the alps or whatever but like or, or i'm in you know i'm raiding the death star like but it's something it's it, it, to me, they've never nailed it. They've never really gotten virtual reality, like awesome, you right. know. So I don't even like gaming with it or anything like that. So and little stuff that I have done, it's not exciting. But I will say this: back to what you just said, I like Cynthia Rothrock and Don the Dragon Wilson, and I would mm -hmm. like to talk to them in a VR space. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I grew up watching their action movies, so I'd be like, "Hey, what's up? <laughs> Look, there. We can poo-poo the idea all we want." But the idea of being like, I'm going to put on glasses and hang out with Fred the Hammer Williamson, I think that's pretty cool. Liam, do you agree? Are you kind of skeptical on the whole VR thing? Well, to be fair, Fred the Hammer is a Trump supporter, so I don't know so much about that specific example. Oh, but... he's, he's not in my virtual reality world. <laughs> but, uh, but I will say, like, VR is... I, I got to agree, like, I don't feel like VR is quite where it could be. I do understand, you know, I've... I've read enough and talked to enough people who are into it that I understand that it's it's kind of leaps and bounds ahead of where it was when I got the opportunity to try it, you know? Lawnmower um, Man era, virtual boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally, definitely. Um, no, I, I remember being at a, uh, uh, I don't know, some sort of, back when arcades were still a thing. Sure. Like, people go to arcades now in a uh, ironic sense, but this is back when arcades still had to be, like, cool, and there was, like, a special, it was, like, a like almost, not a pop-up, but, like, a promotional, like, we have this VR thing for one day, and I was <laughs> very excited about it, and it was not cool it the the gra the even though it was immersive in the sense of you could walk around and stuff the graphics reminded me of like star fox or some shit right, like it was right. not All not lines. cool <laughs> yeah and i get that we are way beyond that now supposedly but um until we're actually at like the the snow crap it just seems like you can do a lot of interacting virtually like this is like this is part of my thought when I was watching uh, Ready Player One, right? Mm -hmm. Is like 
I get that like having a suit where you get touched sounds cool, but you can actually do a lot of virtual shit now and still be like not immersed in a virtual world. Like right. like a lot of folks want to have that level of interaction with people while having their TV on in the background and eating Doritos. Like they don't they don't want to be immersed completely in another world. They just want to interact with other people and possibly, you know, do other things. What right. things? Can you actually elaborate a little bit on that? <laughs> Stroking their meat. Oh, I see. I see. Or flicking that bean. Fli- you know what else is you know what else is fucked up about VR is how jittery it is. Like right. every time you look left or look right, there's a jerkiness that they can never ever ever stabilize. And like when you and I look left or right, even if you wear glasses like I do, like it, there's never that nothing ever shakes unless your right. eyes or vision's fucked up. And VR still does that. It's so exact with your head movement that it doesn't factor in like <laughs> like just stabilization at all. So everything is forever jerky. Like even when you breathe like up and down, you're just like, God damn it, like stop moving. Like just stay still. Okay, okay. I think we both I think we all, I should say, have certain misgivings about the VR experience, but I feel like we're all on the same page that if we were given the opportunity to have a hot makeout session with Eric Roberts in a VR world, we we do it, right? Isn't that right, Liam? Uh, as long as I can be a lizard person while I do it, then yeah, I'm, I'm into the idea. You have to be a lizard person <laughs> while you're doing it. I'm afraid yeah. that's that's a prerequisite. And and Rocky, you're you're into that as well. I have a tongue of virtual Roberts. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm, well, I'm well, comfortable enough in my sexuality to know that in a virtual space, I can get down with any critter. Yeah, like whatsoever. So yeah, I'm I, I would do. Well, Michael Dudikoff sits in a chair in the side and just watches. Yeah, he, he's throwing, he's throwing shurikens like into a wall while I'm making out with Eric. Yeah, all right. Oh man, I, I feel like we've come to a place of understanding. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is 2017's Charlie Charlie, directed by Glenn Plummer. Now, this is an actor that you probably are. Uh, familiar with. He's actually done uh, plenty of work, but he's probably best known for his role in the movie Showgirls. And if you're a, a, a Showgirls aficionado like myself, he was also in Showgirls 2, uh, <laughs> Pennies from Heaven, which, which, folks, if you have not seen that movie, you need to go out of your way to check it out. He's also in Strange Days, and he was in a few episodes of the TV series Suits, which also features Eric Roberts, and I'm sure we're going to feature that on a future episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Plot summary of this is... A group of teenagers look to have the best spring break party ever before going off to college. Mm -hmm. However, when partygoers start to die, who's to blame? Themselves or the demon they summoned? Oh, this (laughs) this is my first time reading this. Charlie's evil spirit creeps in and hands out the ultimate test of survival. Can the kids escape Charlie's grasp? Can they figure out a way to free themselves from his evil game? One night, one house... One chance at survival. That is the plot of Charlie Charlie uh, from the year 2017. Features Tom Sizemore in the starring role as Richard Gates. Uh, also has uh, Glenn Plummer himself in the uh, playing Jamal's attorney. Sounds like not a large part. And of course we have Eric Roberts playing a judge. Or maybe there's a character called The Judge. Maybe he's pulling the strings on the whole thing. Uh, starting with you, Rocky, are you interested in checking out Charlie Charlie? Uh... From your description, yes, but what's crazy is like I I had to look up who this gentleman was because the name was so familiar, Mm -hmm. and even though you're describing the roles he was in, I was like, dude, who is this? Who is this? And the second I saw his face, my head exploded. Yes, like the dance master himself from Showgirls, the the 
the dude, the dude with the car and speed that helped Keanu hop on the bus. <laughs> like we're talking, like, like I know him as a character actor, and I had no idea that he started making horror films. <laughs> like, so I, I wouldn't mind watching like late career drugged out Tom Sizemore in a horror film. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's exciting. Uh, Tom Sizemore is doing a lot of genre films over the last couple of years. <laughs> a surprisingly large number of them. Also featuring Eric Roberts. I think they've been in five projects together in like the last three years. Liam, are you interested in Charlie Charlie? I feel that's a fairly innocuous title for a movie. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Well, that's good to, to hear, Liam, because I feel like you and I are going to have to watch it. Do you know why that is? Because of that damn blood oath. The blood oath that we made to watch the life and work of actor Eric Roberts that uh, we asked Eric Roberts himself to relieve us of the responsibility of, but he said no and said that we have to continue doing it till our dying days, which include, by the way, after his own death. We must keep it up for the remainder of our own lives. Uh, perhaps afterwards. That's a scary thought. But anyway, we will be checking out Charlie Charlie in the very near future. I don't even know if it's actually available to watch anywhere yet. I guess that's something I should have looked up. But when I do see it, I will uh, strongly recommend Charlie Charlie from the year 2017. Liam, Rocky, it's time for us to take our first break. When we return, we're talking about a feature film which uh, has Eric Roberts in actually a, a pretty significant role, but not as large as the role of one Mr. Patrick Warburton. Yes, this is a, a, a star... Uh, uh, sorry, what I should say is this is like a leading man Patrick Warburton performance uh, extraordinaire. If you are a Warburton fan, you're going to get more of him than you've ever wanted to see in the, <laughs> in the civilization of Maxwell Bright from the year 2005. We're going to get into that right after this. After a bad breakup, Maxwell Bright, a diehard male chauvinist, declares he is fed up with dating and decides to buy a mail-order bride from China. When she arrives, Mai Ling is quiet and submissive, but Maxwell cannot stop his piggish ways. 
After continued abuse, Mai Ling reveals she is actually a Buddhist nun sent to America in place of her sister. (laughs) (laughs) After this, Max has an epiphany and devotes himself to making Mai Ling happy. Uh, That plot summary, by the way, missing some very important information (laughs) from the second (laughs) half of this movie. But yeah, that is The Civilization of Maxwell Bright from the year 2005, starring (laughs) Patrick Warburton, uh, who you might know from Seinfeld, from the uh, Tick TV series, not the current Tick TV series, but the previous live-action one, Uh, as well as uh, his vocal work. He uh, does uh, vocal uh, voice work on Family Guy and some other cartoons. Very dis- Brothers! Woo! Very distinctive voice on Patrick Warburton. And this is the Patrick Warburton show, as I mentioned before. He is the lead. He plays Maxwell Bright, this male chauvinist character. And he is awful. I mean, when I say he, I don't mean his performance is awful. I mean, this character, this guy, Maxwell Bright, is a complete piece of shit. And this movie makes no bones about it. He is an asshole. He he says homophobic things. He says racist things. Uh, I mean, the movie's kind of built on a foundation of racist and homophobic things. But it's, it's... He then basically slave trades a woman into his life and... Uh, who, who, who specifically because he wants her to do whatever he wants, including clean his house and bathe him and be sexually submissive to him. And uh, yeah, then it's revealed that she's a nun. And then there's a big plot twist, which we'll mention in just a moment. But before we do, I want to ask, I'm going to start with you today, Liam. What did you think of the movie The Civilization of Maxwell Bright? Mm. Let me start with the... <laughs> The things that I was surprised by. <laughs> um, there are a lot of great cameos. Yes. Um, and I would even venture to say some of the performances, which we'll get into more later, were actually surprisingly good. Sure. Um, and Patrick Warburton, he's not capable of range. In fact, I would say that this film contains his two moods, which are awful and relaxed. Those are basically what you get from him, at least live action. I feel like uh, on Venture Bros, sometimes he, you know, he goes into some interesting things. But um, as an actor, he, he's not real. There's not a lot going on. Um, and so the story in and of itself, it kind of represents that for me because what it's supposed to be is the transformation of a negative character into a positive one. That he's an asshole, and then over time, he becomes, uh, I don't know, a good person. But in this film, <laughs> he's just an asshole. <laughs> then it culminates in him finding out some horrible information, and then he just makes peace with that horrible information, and then he's just like, now he's not an asshole anymore? Like, there's no, there's no arc to it, really. It's just a light switch, you know? And even, you know, to be fair, even in his second stage where he's supposed to be less of an asshole, he's still kind of an asshole. Oh, absolutely. But he, you know, but he's come to turn, you know, he's less awful than he was. And um, while I'm I, I'm not trying to suggest that this doesn't happen probably in real life, there probably really are people who find out that I believe uh, he has like a all the cancers. He basically just has cancer everywhere. Yeah, he has super He's cancer. riddled with cancer. And to be fair, I thought the best scene, one of the best scenes of the film 
is um, another of these, like, there's a lot of random cameos, cameos, but Jennifer Tilly just being like, I don't fucking care about you. You have cancer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. her being like, this isn't a trick. You don't have to believe me. That was actually one of the better scenes in the film. But then he just changes. And that might work. That might be a real thing that happens in real life. It doesn't make for a good movie to just be like, okay, audience, we've really built up that you don't like this guy. But now you have to like him because he has cancer. So you should feel bad. And that's sort of it. And that's ignoring that's just the how the movie works. And that's ignoring the fact that this movie is very sexist. <laughs> Trying not to be, which is the most annoying kind of <laughs> And then it's very racist. And I, I mean, you, you could even say, like, well, maybe it doesn't want to be racist. But I don't even think that's necessarily true. I don't think it wants to be racist in the sense of, like, saying negative things about a, a group of non-white people. Sure. But it is very racist in that it has a very um, uh, caricatured image of what a group of people is like. Absolutely. And the plot only works if this woman is exactly that. She can't deviate to some extent from the caricature. I mean, she's not completely inhuman. It's not that she's just a cartoon character. But um, but there's not a lot there, and a lot of what is there is just not real. Right. Um, and it, it sort of gives a view of where she's from, China, that is so limited and so stereotypical. And, and, and again, done in the worst sense because I – what really bummed me out about the film is not – it's not like After School Special. Isn't that the – what was that movie yeah, was called? Absolutely. After School Special? Which is just written by D-bags. Like that's just a D-bag movie that doesn't give a fuck about you and what you think about it because fuck you. This is a movie <laughs> I think that thinks it's doing something very deep. Absolutely. That thinks it's doing something very meaningful and just fucking yeah. it up so bad. This is a movie that is <laughs> – this is a movie that's convinced that it's enlightened. And the fact that it's so unenlightened and it's kind of trading on stereotypes and very surface level, uh, surface level understanding of a lot of the topics it's exploring, it kind of makes it even a little bit worse because at the end of it, you're, you're supposed to have gone through a emotional journey with the character, but I kind of felt like he was as big of an asshole at the end uh, that he that he is at the beginning. He's just a lot more dead at the end than he is at the beginning. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Rocky, what did you think of this movie? Yo, I, I gotta echo everything uh, Liam said. I mean, it's it's such an odd misstep because they um they try to make it the spiritual, beautiful thing where you know this guy has a, an arc, but it's weird because he's a dickhead for like ninety five percent of the film, <laughs> and then like Tilly comes through, you got cancer, and then he's just like, oh, word. I'm gonna be a dick for another ten minutes, right? And then I'm gonna, then I'm gonna like, oh wait, this Buddhist book is talking to me, man. And hey, like, I know I smashed the Buddhist uh, statue, and I know I, I fucking destroyed it and talked shit, <laughs> but I'm gonna go ahead and like be enlightened all of a sudden. Go ahead and shave my head, and go ahead and like burn some incense next to me and shit. And you're just kind of like, this movie is crazy. Like, it is absolutely it is. crazy. It's a bonkers because movie. It is, it, and. There, so here's the thing. It, it's trying to do something. It is. Like, th there is something th that they're trying to say. Like, you know, they're trying to show you that this guy is a dick and he can be, even the worst human can turn at the last second, which is fine. But they handle it with, like, the grace of, like, an elephant figure skating. It's right. like, it, it's so bad. It's like, it's so poorly mishandled. And, um, 
they do stupid shit too. Like they make her like speak poor English, like deliberately. You know, like her dialogue is like super. Like you could tell it was written like super crazy. Like yeah. she says, like instead of like "see you later, alligator," she'll say like "see you later, crocodile." Right, right. You know, like things like, and you're just kind of like, how did she fuck that up? Like, because did he f- tell her the shit and, on deliberately to like mess it up? Because like nobody on TV is fucking up. See you later, alligator. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so like, how is she absorbing this? And yeah, it's crazy. It's like, uh, this is a movie where you see him be insanely sexist. You see his dong within the first five minutes of the film. You see like uh, him shoot up uh, his own business because it went belly up because he couldn't pay for it. He's shooting at cops where any other race or person would be destroyed like instantly if they were wielding a gun like that. And Patrick uh, War, emphasis on the word war, is going super in the store, like, you know, shooting up everything. And you're like, how is this happening? Like, this movie's happening. How am I supposed to relate to this guy? Like, it's crazy. It's super crazy. I can't believe this film exists. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I, I actually, my mouth was agape, especially throughout the second half of the movie when they try to switch the tone a little bit. But it was they had already gone too far that you couldn't pull it back. Um, I'm just going to spoil the kind of big twist, which probably you've already figured out because I think Liam already said it, which is that Patrick Warburton in this movie, he has terminal cancer. So he is a complete piece of garbage, finds out he has cancer, then he is worse, like he becomes worse for a while, and then as he's dying, he sort of redeems himself, but even when he's like gaining interest in the Tibetan Book of the Dead, he's very much like, honey, tell me all about this book, I'm, I'm, I'm a Buddhist now because I said so, I mean literally that's the kind of shit that he says, and you know, like he buys a coffin and lays in it, and he just he's he becomes a different kind of douchebag, but he certainly isn't good or noble at the end. He just now she has to go out and work to support their shitty apartment because he's dying. Uh, it's well, yes, I, this is the thing about it is that there's a version of this movie with like funny jokes and a charming actor and less of a you know, even the version of this movie that's like the most ideal version of this movie is a problem, right? Because it's about her. Her patience and her willingness to be treated like yeah. a piece of meat is what, it, in the end, in in some way, redeems him. But this movie can't even get that shitty movie right because, I mean, a like okay, the idea that like he finds out he's dying and that he acts like a bigger asshole sure. is like actually totally fine. Yeah, that makes sense. That's yeah. a plot point that would work. But he's such a fucking monster before he <laughs> finds out he's dying that when yeah. he takes the turn of like, well, now I know I'm dying, so I'm going to act crazy. I'm like, that's not – you didn't pull us in in the first place. At no point in the film is he charming or interesting in any way. He's a monster the whole way through. And then it's like, okay, well, uh, it wouldn't work. In a sense, it wouldn't work if once he – you know, took the turn. He was an actual human. Now that would actually be bad too. Right. But at this point, that would be better than what we get, which yeah. is like a, uh, you know, this Jesus shit isn't working out. Tell me about your fucking voodoo book. Like that's basically <laughs> you know I mean? like it's 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 such a, a it's such a, a mime. It feels like to me, or such a fake, a pretend version of something I already think is a bad idea that it like really bummed me out. Let me tell you the thing that I hated most about this movie. So you have this uh, this woman who has come from China, and she basically is designed to speak in Buddhist platitudes and clean his house and fuck him, and that's all she's really designed for in this movie. Uh, and 
later when he's making his redemption, she's like like washing him and massaging him and all this shit. And she, he's supposed to be accepting the fact that he's been awful. And he says, I've, you know, I've hurt a lot of women. And she says, well, a lot of women have hurt you too. And I'm like, what kind of fucking meet you in the middle horse shit is that? Earlier in the movie, in a very kind of pivotal moment, they've been married for one day. And he has his buddies over to play poker. And she comes out and she cleans the entire fucking house and is serving them food and is being as submissive as she possibly can. And he tells her to strip naked in front of his friends. And she refuses to do it. And we that's when we discover that she's actually a Buddhist nun who's uh, taken the place of her sister who has, I guess, a, a lover in China. So she's basically given the rest of her life for this. And that is, by the way, we're supposed to think, oh, shit. Oh, he fucked up. She's actually a good, noble, decent person. She's not the slave that he wanted and that he expected. And when he didn't get that... You know, he's at first kind of disappointed. Oh, she has thoughts and feelings and I have to treat her like a human being. And even after that, he is the worst human being on the planet. (laughs) It is like there's just nothing. It's impossible to believe this person even has friends because when he flies off the handle, he A, shoots things and B, becomes horrifically (laughs) abusive to all of his friends. It is – it's a really difficult movie to watch because it's hard as you were uh, kind of – uh, hinting at Liam, it's hard to know what you're supposed to get out of it, and I worry that some people watch this, especially because it won a bunch of awards uh, while touring around uh, on film festivals. Some people got something like really serious out of this, like, "Oh my god, this is a life changing movie," but they learned all the wrong lessons from it. Like, "Oh, right. I need to buy a woman from China." <laughs> they also conflate like Chinese and Japanese culture at stereotypical oh. culture. Oh yeah. my god! That, during that moment, I literally thought. Did I miss a plot point? Is she actually from Japan and I missed it? Or is he just that – you know what I mean? Like does the movie just not give a fuck? (laughs) If you're wondering if the great character actor Kurt Fuller shows up in this and asks this woman if she has a sideways vagina because she is Asian, yeah, that happens in the movie. So racist. Like, I was going to say, like, when you're breaking down that scene, okay, of him asking the wife to disrobe – why, what set that off to begin with? And it was that. It was that horrific, like, yeah. beyond stereotype. We're talking, like, what was that? That had to have been a stereotype from, like, World War II. Yeah, like, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it felt, it felt so... It was, like, old racist shit. Well, <laughs> like, and the, re- the response to that scene being, like... And, Doug, you were kind of hinting at this, too. That if she was just some woman then it would maybe not be okay, but, like, that, like, he's, like, well, how could I have known that you were actually, like, a good person because you're a mail-order bride, so, of course, you know, you're some sort of sex worker who I could do this to, and it wouldn't be, you know what I mean? Like, every assumption about it is is related to that. And that, I mean, that's sort of the theme of the whole thing. Like, A, that, um, that uh, the idea that, like, there's all these people in China who don't know anything about, I mean, she comes in and she doesn't know anything about America. And I'm just like, that's not real. 
Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's, that's not, that in of itself is not even a real thing. Like, people in China, they know a lot of shit about us, actually. You know, there's one or two things they might be surprised by. For the most part, they know what the fuck's if, going if, on. If you've uh, learned English, yeah, you know something about American culture because you can't get fucking away from it. No, we, it's, 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 uh, so that there's all that. There's, um, you know, just the fact that at no point, like, I get it. He, it opens with this ridiculously naked scene <laughs> with this girl <laughs> and with this young woman and she attacks him. Okay, Liam, guess, Liam could you actually, uh, since almost certainly the listeners will not have seen this movie, can you just elaborate a little bit on that scene? What's happening here? So, um, she this this woman has hit him and he's chased her outside. He's bleeding. They're both fucking naked, just nude. Yes. Uh, which is not a thing I needed in my life for him. Uh-huh. And uh and he's yelling at her in a very aggressive way. Uh and I guess sort of berating her sexually in front of the whole neighborhood. Yeah, that saying that she doesn't it's... orgasm quickly enough and that she doesn't go down on him and that makes her shitty. Yeah, and so um Police show up. They want him to calm down, understandably. And she uh, – now, this is what I understand. Does she stab him with something? Apparently she, she stabs th- him in the chest with a uh, – like a, some sort of, of a garden implement. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> and that's sort of the setup is that like um, – it, 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 the movie almost seems to suggest we're supposed to maybe not sympathize with his, mis- with his uh, misogyny, but – we're supposed to at least understand it. Oh, absolutely! Because she hit him with a garden tool. I think that's which is like I think that sequence, I, Liam, if, is meant to suggest because the women who show up, uh, sorry, the police officers that show up are women, and he's saying, "I can't believe it. like she's the one who injured me because he's bleeding from the head." Uh, it's like uh, she's the one who who uh, attacked me. Why are you yelling at me? Why are you pointing your gun at me? And I think we're supposed to empathize with his position somewhat, like he is an innocent victim in this, but he is. Literally screaming profanity at everybody in his neighborhood, including the police officers, and who looks like the aggressor. He's also like three times the size of this woman. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, I know this movie kind of predates the whole like MRA fedora culture, you know, but this feels like a real precursor to that. Because in the end, he, even though he comes around, he stops being quite the asshole. He's still the man. You know what I mean? Like, it still reinforces very traditional gender roles that would kind of stroke off some of that MRA-ness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This is a movie that, honestly, I think <laughs> the the atmosphere in which it uh, came out in 2005, it feels like a different universe from what we're, we're, us watching it in 2018. It just feels like whatever time period where this could have been okay is long past. And it feels – I mean it feels like something from the 1950s or 1960s in some ways. Yeah, it's like the age of the gunslinger has passed. Yeah, right? <laughs> Everyone is civilized now. There's no there's no more room for this shit anymore. <laughs> well, let's not go nuts. I do want to give some <laughs> credit to Patrick Warburton and his performance here. Uh, unlike yourself, Liam, I actually think that maybe he has a bit more range than we've seen in a lot of his performances. But what this role asks of him is uh, really two modes. Absolute horrific rage at everybody. And quote unquote tenderness, which is just slightly restrained rage. <laughs> but that's that's really all he's really asked to do. But I do think he does a really good job at kind of enveloping this macho piece of garbage asshole. And if this was performance 
even in this character, was in a, a smarter, better, more well-developed movie uh, that had three-dimensional characters in it, then this performance could be really something special. It's just that he's almost too good as an asshole because I started legitimately hating him as like a person, as like an actor, as I was watching. I was like, I just don't want to see this prick anymore. What do you think of his performance in this, Rocky? I think he goes for it. I give him props. It feels like a an indie kind of joint, like, but it definitely feels, I don't know, rough around the edges in many ways. Like I was saying um, off mic before we got started, it feels like this was a blueprint for a movie that was going to be made. Right. It's like they shot the whole thing from front to back being like, look, this is what we want to do. We want to push like sexism in this direction and we want to push like, you know, uh, in that direction and just go for it. And I got this lead actor that's down, you know, I'm his acting coach. He's in it to win it. And that's what it feels like. It just feels like a blueprint for a feature that was going to be made later. Um, and even though that's not the case, um, I think Patrick does a decent enough job. I mean, I don't think I would have gotten ass naked for any director um, <laughs> on a film like this that looks so direct or shot on video or, you know what I mean, just like was probably only going to see film festivals and like the tiny joints too, nothing too too major. Sure. But it's just crazy. Like, uh, I, I, I guess I give him some points, but it's something – that I, I never would have expected from Patrick because I've always seen like, you know, I'm a huge Venture Brothers fan. So I'm so used to the Brock Sampson character. Sure. I'm so used to, you know, um, I'm not even huge on Seinfeld, but I but I know he's on there quite a bit. And it's, I'm just kind of like I've seen the tech, too. So it's it's just weird. It's 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 the wildest thing. I would say this. Uh, I'm glad it exists because if you're a huge Patrick Warburton fan, I would say watch yeah, this absolutely. thing. I would say watch it from front to back and then talk to me about your man. Like afterwards. <laughs> because it is something else. It is something else. It's it's like he he goes for broke on a couple parts, but then again, I'm kind of with Liam too. I think he's got like four emotes, maybe max. Like he's got like he doesn't really go too, too far with it. But I think, again, in the beginning of the film, he's running out, bleeding, ass naked, dong flopping everywhere. And you're just kind of like, I don't know if I would have done that for even, like, Steven Spielberg. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, like, you, it's one of those, like, I don't know, man. Uh, it's wild. It's it's wild. It, this is obviously was a passion project for Patrick Warburton. And, and, you know, kudos for him for going for it. I do worry that the fact that he's full frontal naked in the opening scene is meant to suggest that this is, like, an emotional nakedness, that this is supposed to be symbolic of the fact that he wears it all right on his sleeve and that, you know, this is, this is just part of his transition. But, uh... Uh, this movie does not have that going on at all. I don't. I don't know if there's anything beneath the surface of this movie. To be totally honest, I do want to talk about some of the smaller supporting roles in this before we get. We haven't really mentioned Eric Roberts at all yet, but we'll get to him in just one second. But as you uh, referenced before, Liam, there are some very familiar faces here. Jennifer Tilly does show up for uh, uh, just a few minutes. Kurt Fuller shows up, uh, but also some more recognizable names. Nora Dunn from uh, Saturday Night Live years and years back is in it. John Glover, the great John Glover, shows up as a preacher for one scene. Carol Kane shows up as I don't know why she's here. Actually, I think <laughs> I suspect yeah. that a lot of these actors and actresses showed up because the director and writer David Beard is also a acting teacher. I believe that's what I read that he was Patrick Warburton's acting teacher, which is maybe how this all ended up coming together. And in fact, I also read that this is based on uh, an actual incident in uh, David Beard's neighbor was, uh, I guess, a similar 
uh, misogynist who got cancer and maybe had a mail order bride. I don't know how many of the elements of the story were actually based on reality, but I can tell you most of them are not. I can just tell you right now, most of <laughs> this did not happen in real life, not in a reality that we can uh, recognize. But I do want to get uh, just just quickly from the both of you, starting with you, uh, Liam. What was your favorite of the supporting characters? Let's say aside from Jennifer Tilly, because I think you already mentioned that was your favorite. Uh, and aside from our man, aside from our man, who we are going to get to in just a moment. Uh, that's a good question. I think. Hmm. Uh, you know, I was very focused on um, on Eric Roberts in, in a lot of ways. I and the Jennifer Tilly scene just struck out to me. I guess I kind of laughed at. Um, uh, what is I don't I don't know I don't remember her name. Oh, Nor, yeah, the scene with Nora Dunn. That was kind of just unexpected because it was such. It felt like a not hugely important scene in a lot of ways. Right. And to have two sort of very recognizable people, I was like, why is this happening? Like, what's I don't really know why this is going on right now. And that was kind of a surprise. That's for me. A, that's a really fucked up scene in some ways because it's basically. Yeah. My Ling is there to tell these kind of older, experienced women who are very cynical that in some way it's like – I think the suggestion is it's like better to be submissive and to right. know your place in the relationship. I mean there's some really nasty undertones in that scene according to it's my a li- interpretation. I think that's fair and and I think that um... – I don't know. I I guess the thing is is that it, it's hard for me to be stoked. I I got stoked on Eric Roberts as his friend because of the performance, but his other friends, like all those actors, it's it they're all gross. Like there's something you know, <laughs> except for except for the one guy that just doesn't really say much, you know. So it was it was I don't know. I was just less excited about those performances. How about your uh, yourself, Rocky? Was any of the supporting performances except for uh, Eric Roberts uh, jump out at you? I liked uh, what Carol Kane was doing. Uh, she really made me laugh because the, the whole thing, you know, the whole movie's batshit crazy. And th- m- most of the time I'm having a like, what the hell is happening kind of reaction. And then she opened her mouth and she decided to go with like old money, Georgia, like <laughs> kind of thing, like some down south kind of thing. And it was ho- horrific. Like she did not pull it off. And that's when I just like laughed my ass off. I was like, I, I love you, Carol Kane. Like you were bonkers. Like this is the you just got to show up for a day at, you know, Homegirls Massage and you just got to seriously just do this twang, you know, and get away with it. I love it. Uh in the in the chat for our uh, our Skype call right now, I just posted a uh foreign DVD cover of this movie. Could you guys go over and check that out for a second? <laughs> is that not Wow the audacity of that fucking post presenting this movie as like this solemn uh you know i I know right (coughs) is that not unbelievable basically like okay if i if for listeners like if i can equate this if i could try to get this right it would be like going to a restaurant and you see like you know okay cool there's a steak and potatoes that's amazing let me get that and they bring back a microwave Salisbury steak. <laughs> that's kind of like the like. That's the trickery that's happening here. That's like the 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 deception, the lie that this poster <laughs> is telling you. Like it's amazing. It's like such a high art poster for such a low rent, crazy ass project. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's something. It has some some quality quotes from. Uh... 
from uh, from some critics on the front of it. <laughs> I like this one. That, I, I should have hated this film, but found it the best thing I've seen so far this year. I read that review earlier today. <laughs> uh, I went in wanting to hate this, but hey. <laughs> well, I went in hoping to love it and ended up hating it. Congratulations. <laughs> We need to talk about Eric Roberts, the actor. Yes, uh, yes. In this movie, he plays uh, really, I guess, Patrick Warburton's, uh, Max Bright's best friend from childhood. They've known each other since they were kids. He works in uh, Max Bright's uh, electronics shop. And um, and basically, he's the guy who defends him. He goes, he plays in his poker game. He tries to, you know, uh, be supportive whenever he can. And once Max Bright founds out that he, finds out that he has cancer... They have an incredibly intense conversation where he, you know, Max Bright has tried to push away all his friends. He's basically told them to get out of his life. And Eric Roberts is trying to stick by him. And that's when he reveals to him that, you know, basically he's been carrying him his entire life. Uh, this is Max Bright's been carrying Eric Roberts' character. And he's basically the joke of the office. And they gave him a fake award, award that uh, if the first letter of each of the, the title spells a very nasty word that I'm not going to say. Uh, yes. And <laughs> very nasty. It's just, it's uh, oddly enough, this Eric Roberts character has a lot more dimension and uh, a lot more uh, interest for me, not just because I have an Eric Roberts related podcast, then I think Max Bright, but maybe that's just me, and maybe I'm just looking a little too close at the Eric Roberts performance. Starting with you, Liam, what did you think of Eric Roberts in this? Um, at first, he's just sort of the goofy yes. friend, and there's nothing there. But then there's a couple of scenes where uh, I don't want to go so far as to say the script gives him something to do, but Eric Roberts really takes this character who seems very sincere and Maybe not. I don't know. They, we, we're not really given enough to decide whether this guy is actually not the smartest or not. But he clearly is very loyal to this character right. and he really cares for him. And Eric Roberts really plays that up. I, I got to say, for me, uh, he had the best performance in the movie. And that's including um, uh, Patrick Warburton's Mail Order Bride, who is fine and her you know what i mean like there's lots of people who are fine in their roles but i don't know if this was a good movie i would lift this up as like oh eric roberts really was good. you know it's only because the rest of the movie is so fucking awful that it's almost a little off-putting for me that i thought eric roberts was pretty good in it i i feel like sometimes we um we don't mention some of the lead performances. I do want to shout out Marie Matiko, who does play Mai Ling in this. As you mentioned, Liam, she's fine. I think she's actually good, but she actually is constrained by a role which requires her to speak in this broken English. And right, uh, right. I, th I think it's the, how the character is written is the limitation more than her performance. Over to you, Rocky. What did you think of uh, Eric Roberts in this movie? And do you agree with what Liam just said? I, I do. Like, he actually came to play ball. And I mean that sincerely, like he definitely has a scene or two where he's like welling up with tears or he's trying to like do his thing, you know, be loyal to his pal. And you're just kind of like, you're the only guy that is trying in this thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're like, you're actually acting better than Patrick Warburton is, which is crazy. It's like, um, especially in that blow up that they have uh, together towards the third act of the film, you right. know, like um, he really goes for it in that scene. He glasses you can see his tears welling up you know and when patrick doesn't answer him back like fast enough he just like he just like darts off the frame and you're like 
dude, you were really hurt there. <laughs> like yeah. you, you went for it, you know? Um, so I kind of liked what he was doing. Uh, I don't know why he had to be a, a country boy. That was a little <laughs> weird. Uh, cause he said things like, I wrote this down, uh, mother of Pearl. He also said, uh, four bitches, ace high. He also said, um, what the hell dude? Like you, you're the best thing since Chinese fire drill. That was one of my favorites. Uh, but That's yeah, right. he, he just, says that to a Chinese woman. <laughs> Yes, which is which is fucking insane and bonkers, and that's early in the film. That's like first ten. He also type of he's shit. also by far the most woke character because he is overjoyed to have had sex with a transvestite prostitute. Dude, okay, like how progressive is this film? Uh, Eric Roberts basically goes off on how he picked up uh, a transgender person and had a wonderful blowjob. And you're just kind of like, this is insane. Like, this is how the film is starting, like, straight up. Like, they're just doing this. Um, also needs to be mentioned, Eric Roberts, when Patrick Warburton's going crazy in his store, shooting up his TVs and all the cops are around, mm-hmm. he yells out, this ain't no Rodney King. <laughs> yes, he does. Like, very loudly and very, like, you know... <laughs> It's so out of place. It's so <laughs> there's there's no riots. There's no race related like fucking anything happening here. And he's just like, this ain't no Rodney King. He just and it, it makes me wonder like, was that in the script? Right. Was that Eric just like going for it and being like, what would this idiot say? <laughs> you know, at a, at a police standoff or whatever. But uh, I liked what Eric was doing in this movie. Like he. He's a lot of fun in the scenes where he needs to be fun. He's got that weird-ass transgender story. And uh, he's very sad in that one scene. I don't know. Yeah. He's, like, very sincere, like, really going for it. Yeah. And you're like, wow, Eric. Like, why? Like, <laughs> why? Like, this is crazy. I don't know. Um, he had a lot to do. He had a lot to do. I want to mention, by the way, that I said that Eric Roberts, uh, his story was about having sex with a transvestite. The reason I said that is because that's what they refer to this uh, this uh, 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 prostitute as. Obviously, when they describe it, it seems a lot more like a transgender person. And I'm glad that you elaborated on that, Rocky. Um, that's scene- the like it, the movie's out of control. It's yeah. so politically incorrect. It's like, like, forgive me for talking out of turn, or like the you know, it's just hard to explain or elaborate on because it's so fucked up. It's well, like, some of the language in that particular sequence is wow. It's uh, it's a little rough to say the the least. Exactly, exactly. I crazy that I I don't want to keep going back to it, but there isn't that much Eric Roberts in this movie. But that sequence where basically Max is just tearing him down. And Eric Roberts' character, Arliss, is he's kind of like breaking down a little, right? And he, yeah, he's starting to cry. And he, it, I, I have to say that was probably the only emotionally affecting moment for me in this entire movie. And it, it's the only thing that felt real, like you could see like actual hurt and heartbreak. I don't know. I don't want to t- go too far in regards to it because, um, because again, it is it is such a small role comparatively to that kind of powerhouse Patrick Warburton role. But I will say that Eric Roberts, I think, is the highlight of this movie. And we don't just throw that around, saying that he's the highlight of every movie that we watch. It's just that here, I think he is a cut above. So uh, yeah, if you uh, if you're a huge Patrick Warburton fan, you should probably check out the Civilization of Maxwell Bright. Uh, and if you are an Eric Roberts fan, maybe just uh, you know fast forward to his scenes and check that out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but that brings us to the uh, the the theme of this uh, this podcast. The very topic in its title is Eric Roberts, the fucking man in 2005's The Civilization of Maxwell Bright. Sticking with you for a second, Rocky, is he the fucking man? 
I say he's the fucking man um, because he's got a lot of funny lines. Uh, again, I'm a big fan of this ain't no Rodney King. And he also <laughs> says, I, I, I got, there's one more that he said that I didn't read out. He said, we called the morgue, but you didn't answer. As if his friend had died yes. and he couldn't make the call because he was a cadaver. And I was just like, you are the man, Eric Roberts. I love you. And I was going to have fun talking about this for sure because the movie is so nuts but then for no reason, like we just said, Eric goes for broke. <laughs> and you're like, wow, like, why did you do that? So crazy. Over to you, Liam. Is Eric mm. Roberts the fucking man in the civilization of Maxwell Bright? It's it's actually hard for me to say yes, only because the rest of the movie is so bad to me, like just just really difficult sure. that I, I almost want to be mad. Like, why did you do this movie and why were you good in this movie? But he <laughs> is good in the movie. Like he's good. And, and you know, that's who Eric Roberts is, you know, Patrick Warburton's like, come do this movie and, and he's going to show up. He's going to make it work. So yeah, I, I think he really is the man in this film. That's it. Civilization of Maxwell Bright. It's a little bit hard to find. Uh, you can certainly find it on the UK Amazon uh, site. And I recommend you pop over there just to see the DVD cover that they have over there, which is unbelievable. <laughs> out, of, out of control. No. <laughs> like, that's out of control. Not necessarily representative of the movie itself. Hey, you know what? This movie is an experience. It really is uh, really strange, really whacked out. It was a total surprise to me. I was expecting something fairly standard, but uh, but it is far from that. And if you can take that as a recommendation, yeah, you go check it out and let us know what you thought. But I will say that uh, when all was said and done, I cannot say that I enjoyed this movie, but I am kind of glad I saw it. All right, we got to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Rocky. We're going to do some plug-in, and we're going to say good night. To let the mic smoke. Now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm gone, no one gets on. Cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder, damn. But think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict, addicted to music. Maybe it's a habit. I gotta use it. Even if it's jazz or the quiet storm. I hook a beat up, convert it into hip hop form. Write a rhyme and graffiti in every show you see me in. Deep concentration, cause I'm no comedian. Jokers are wild if you wanna be tame. I treat you like a child. Then you're gonna be named Another enemy Not even a friend of me Cause you'll get fried in the end When you pretend to be competing Cause I just put your mind on pause And I complete when You compare my rhyme with yours I wake you up And as I stare in your face You seem stunned Remember me The one you got your idea from But soon you start to suffer The tune will get rougher When you start to stutter That's when you had enough of Fighting it'll make you choke You can't provoke You can't cope You should've broke Because I ain't no joke Joke and that was episode number 74 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to put a massive thanks out there to our returning guest, Rocky Juarez, who has uh, taken some very busy time out of his schedule. Very busy time. It doesn't even work. But thank you so much, Rocky, for coming in and talking to us about the civilization of Maxwell Bright. I know it took you by surprise like it took us by surprise. Where can people find you on the internet? I'm mainly on Twitter, um, Rocky Warrants, R-O-C-K-I-E-W-A-R-A-N-T-Z. I write for Talk Film Society. I'm on their podcast as well. Uh, check their stuff out. They're doing a lot of good work there. A lot of uh, various uh, writers of all shapes and sizes. That's why I'm so proud of it. Like, there are just all kinds of beautiful souls over there. So give them a whirl. And then um, 
That's about it. I'm on, I'm on Instagram too. Same name, Rocky Warrens. We will, of course, link all of that in the show notes. Liam, lots of exciting stuff happening over at Cinepunks. I'm part of some of it. You're part of all of it. What's going on at Cinepunks? Uh, the most recent thing we did, we're, we're starting a series where we talk to film programmers. Both, oh, wow. Yeah, not just like um, not just like festival. Like I, I shouldn't say just because people think of a variety of things. But we're trying sure. to talk to people who do festivals, people who work regularly at theaters, people who do sort of off the beaten path programming, that wow. sort of thing. So um, our first one just went up. Uh, Adriana Gober talked to uh, Justin uh, Liberty at um, uh, Alamo Yonkers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're hoping to continue that series. We have we have a, a much longer list of people we want to talk to okay. than people we've actually talked to. So I think uh, if anyone's out there listening to this and they're a programmer and they would like to be featured, uh, get in touch, cinepunks at Gmail, because um, we want to try to cover as many different people doing as many different kinds of things as we can. I think um, you know our the audience for cinepunks, there is a chunk of people who are very much part of the like film geek world, film Twitter world. But there's also a lot of people who listen to the show who like movies a lot, but don't know about that. Mm. So the response I think from people is probably going to be that they never really think about programmers or think about what that's about. In the same way, like from the music end, people don't think about promoters and like, that's the last person you think about when you are at a show. So I think in the same way, like it, it, there'll be interesting conversations. So Justin's really great. And I've really liked the work he does at uh, Alamo Yonkers. That's actually I'm I found that topic fascinating. Uh, I've always been very curious about it, and it feels a little uh, like it's not. It hasn't been covered so much that you know that that there's no nothing to be revealed here. It sounds like something that could be really interesting, especially if you get some kind of uh, like you said, really niche type programmers. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I I have a few friends who do that. Uh, that you know, if you ever are stuck for a guest, I can put you in touch with them. Uh, usually in Toronto, but some you know some outside of that as well. Yeah, that sounds great. What, so sorry, what's that? What's it called? Is does it does it have a title in terms of the series? Yeah, it does, and I would really appreciate it if you edited this so it sounded like I knew what it, the title was, because I don't know what it is. Hold on, I'm looking it up right yeah, now. It's fine. I, 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 Liam, this is our podcast. Uh, there's no reason that you should ever be embarrassed on it. Yeah, Doug, the series is called Get With The Program. Okay. You know what, Liam? Let's try that again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's called uh, Get With The Program, and this first one is, oh, I'm sorry, Justin Liberty. I just said Justin Liberty. My bad. Sorry, Justin. Well, I mean, honestly, if you're going to have a name like that, you got to expect people are going to make that mistake. <laughs> That's fair. What That's a, a fair. What an asshole thing that was for me to say. <laughs> I know. It was the worst. Yeah. Well, did you... Um, did- I know a few souls too, so I'll try and put you in touch with them as well, man. So yeah, and you know we want to we want to try to do it pretty regularly. I mean, I think it's hard because I don't know what you all's experience is, but my experience is um, that uh, interviews are fucking torture. Oh. The interview itself is great. It's the afterwards where you have to transcribe it into a thing people want to read. I just I have trouble with that. It's like my least favorite, which is actually why I do a podcast because then I could just put the recording up and I don't have to transcribe anything. So um, I think we're going to try to – we would love to do it twice a month. I think it's probably more likely it's going to happen once a month right. just because you know it's it's not that easy and there's not that many people doing it. Um, 
I uh, <clears throat> I also do a project over at uh, Cinepunks uh, where me and Adriana are going through the filmography of Pier Paolo Pasolini. Uh, we're actually going to be recording this upcoming weekend, so there should be another article soon. Um, so yeah, check out Cinepunks. Check out all the podcasts on it. What's your favorite podcast on Cinepunks, Leo? Uh, you know, I, I love all the podcasts on there, but my favorite is is definitely Cinepunks. I'm close second is Horror Business. Um, I, I, in some ways, prefer Horror Business to Cinepunks, only in that um, Justin Lure uh, sometimes does a bunch of the work for it that I don't have to do. So that makes it a little bit more of my favorite. You can find me, Doug Tilly, on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can also check out my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, over at NoBudgetPodcast.com, as well as on DorkShelf.com. Our most recent episode covers a film which I'm hesitant to say the title of. It is 2004's Jesus Christ Serial Rapist, directed by Bill Zabub. <laughs> yeah, it's hardcore. Uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, oh wow <laughs> it is it is a very very rough title but i'll tell you what as rough as that title is the movie is so much worse not because of the content not because it reflects that title in any way but because it is unwatchable it literally has 45 to 55 minutes of just still images with like a ken burns zoom and pan on them for like the entire second half of the movie is just that 45 minutes of that straight of like fetish imagery and it is mind-numbing to a spectacular degree but if you want to hear me and mo porn lose our minds you can go over to nobudgetpodcast.com and check out our most recent episode but with that said time to close up the eric roberts bag for another night we'll be back in just a couple of weeks with another eric roberts classic good night everybody Eric Roberts is a fucking man. Eric Roberts is a fucking man. Eric Roberts is a fucking man.